hope you're thirsty. I, I hope that this world that we live in is not where you're trying to quench your thirst. I hope that uh, I hope you're thirsty for Jesus, the living water, and we're going to talk about him for the next several. Well, we talk about him every Sunday, but we're going to be talking about the living water for several weeks. And, and so I want you to tune in with me. I want you to, uh, I want you to, Donna always says, lean in. Let's, let's worship him with our attention because what we're going to share with you over the next several weeks is, is just how desperately the water of life wants to be a part of yours. So the question is this morning, are you thirsty? I hope that you are. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Lord, over the next few moments, I, I pray that you would pierce our soul with your word. I pray that you would capture our heart with your word. And from this day forward, may you quench our thirst with the living water of Christ. Amen. Amen. That verse of scripture that I just read is part of a sermon. You probably know that. Maybe you don't. It's part of a sermon, probably the most famous sermon that was ever preached in all of history. And it was by Jesus. And we call it the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and if you are interested, you can read for yourself in the first part of the book of Matthew, that entire sermon, a lot of the uh, quote verses that you like and that I enjoy come out of the Sermon on the Mount. And I had an incredible opportunity to be on the Mount of the Beatitudes in Israel a couple of years ago. And I wanted to share something with you from the Mount of the Beatitudes because it's cool and also funny. I thought, I don't know, maybe you won't think it's funny, but uh, we're, we're talking about living water, right? Talking about living water. Well, at the, uh, on the Mount of the Beatitudes, uh, someone had taken the time to build this beautiful fountain. There's going to be a picture of this beautiful fountain pop up. And it, it really, the picture doesn't do it justice, but it's this beautiful fountain. And in front of the fountain, there's this sign. And, and you can, you're going to see the sign that's, that's in front of the fountain. And you, you, you can't really see it, but it says something like this. You know, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to the fountain and drink of the water of life freely. And, man, I, I just stood there and I was like blown away by this, the enormity of that, of where I was standing on this mountain where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. Then I happened to notice this sign and it said, don't drink the water. And I thought that was a little ironic that come drink freely, but not you. Um, I don't want to be that church that says there's water available, but not for you. See, I believe that when Jesus said, let him come and drink freely, he was talking to whosoever will. And so this morning, if, if you've walked in this building and you're thirsty from life, or you're thirsty from struggle, or you're thirsty from religion. Come freely and drink of the water of life. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next several weeks. See, the, the cool thing about this mountain, about this sermon, is, and you can read it for yourself, the first part of, of Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says that one day Jesus saw crowds gathering. 
And, you know, by this point in Jesus' life, his reputation had gone before him. People were following him everywhere he went. And, and the first part of, the, of Matthew 5 says crowds were gathering. And then Jesus went up on the mountainside to pray. And it's really, a, I, I wish I had time to tell you the whole little story of, of what that looked like and how, you know, they, they've proven how Jesus would have been able to speak to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people on that day without, you know, one of these. It was just cool the way the, the landscape created this amphitheater where Jesus could teach. And he said that he saw crowds gathering, but this, listen, there were, there were two kinds of people there that day. There were crowds that gathered, and then if you read Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, his disciples gathered around him. There was a crowd, and the Bible says that his disciples came up to him. So there's this huge crowd. Jesus goes up partway of the mountain, and his disciples, not, not the 12 disciples, but, but the 120 that were following him everywhere he went, the disciples came up to him. So there's a crowd, and then there's disciples. You getting the difference? There's a multitude, and then there's a handful. And I'm going to tell you that in this room, and watching us online, that there's two kinds of people. There's fans, and there's followers. See, some of us, maybe we're fans of Jesus, and like we like what he did. But I want you to be a follower. I want you to be a disciple that, that when Jesus goes up the mountain to teach, you're like, I got to hear what this man's saying. There was the multitude, and there were the disciples. There was the, the fans and the followers, and then... There was the crowd and then the called. And at the onset of this series, I want you to determine, you know, where you're at in that, in that context. Are you, are you a, a fan of Jesus? Like, you, I, Jesus is just all right with me. Or have you surrendered your life in pursuit of the Son of God? Is Jesus more than a Sunday thing for you? See, the disciples came to him. And, and what determines which group you're in is what you do with his words. See, the disciples left that sermon, and guess what they did? They gave up everything to follow him. The multitude went to lunch. And listen, I, I believe in these days what Christ is calling us is not a casual relationship, a casual hour and 15 minutes on Sunday morning. What he's calling us to is to do what the disciples did and come to him. Let any man who's thirsty, let him come to the water of life that froze freely. Yes. So these words, a Sermon on the Mount... Let me tell you what they were never intended to be, an Instagram post. The, the words of the Sermon on the Mount were not intended to be just on a coffee mug. What these words, what Jesus was telling 
the disciples and the multitude was, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what your life looks like. These weren't casual suggestions of how you might want to, if you feel so inclined, live your life. This was, if you're going to follow me, this is what your life's supposed to look like. And then he said these words. He said a lot of words, but we're going to skip down a few to Matthew 5 and 6. We already read it. Blessed are those who, are, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Some translations say shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The first thing I want you to understand and, and to write down this morning is Jesus wants you blessed. How many want a blessing? Oh, come on, raise your hand. You want a blessing? Yeah. woo We like the blessing, don't we? You, see, some of y'all figured out now that I'm tricking you. Because we've distorted what blessing looks like, y'all. We pray, God bless us. God bless my family. And those are great prayers. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but Jesus says, if you really want to be blessed, do what I'm telling you. We want, we want God to bless us with no effort on our part. We want God to bless us and, and us just do our own thing. And Jesus in this sermon says, okay, if you want to be blessed, this is how you live your life. <laughs> that, that word blessed really means happy. And oh, we've distorted that one too. See, I, I'm going to tell you that this doesn't, if you follow these teachings of Jesus, I'm not going to tell you that you're going to be happy in the 2022 Western North American version of happy. That's, a, that's attached our happiness to what we own and what we drive and what we eat. See, all of those definitions of happiness are financial or relate. Oh, if I could just make this much money, if I could just get this wife. Or this husband, or this relationship. If I could just, I'd be happy then. If, if my circumstances would just change, then I'd be happy. And I'm going to tell you that the kind of happiness that Jesus talked about on the surf, Sermon of the Mount wasn't circumstantial, and it wasn't financial, and it wasn't relational. It had to do with the condition of your soul. And he said, happy you'll be, blessed you'll be, if you'll do things like I'm telling you to do them. It's happiness that trans, it's this joy that transcends your circumstances. It's this idea that I can find joy even when the stuff of my life doesn't look joyful. That means that my joy isn't attached to my career. My joy is not attached to my checkbook. My joy is not attached to all of these circumstantial things that can change. How many of you are still making what you made two years ago, but you, you don't live as well because bread's now $11 a, a loaf? <laughs> right? And gas is $47 a gallon or something. I, for, I didn't look today, but it was close. You know what I'm saying? And, and so we attack, well, I can't be happy because it's costing me more to live. Come on. 
We've attached our joy to the wrong things. And look what he said. He said, blessed are. And see, we think that, that the blessing of Christ comes later down the road. He didn't say blessed you will be. He said blessed are those. So I, I believe that what Christ has called us to is a way of life that's eternally joyful that can start today. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied for righteousness. So my question is, what were you doing when you were the thirstiest you've ever been? Now, I'm not talking about like spiritual thirst. I'm talking about like, I got to get me something to drink thirsty. See, the truth is, most of us have never experienced that because of where we live. I've been in this building and thought, I don't have anything to drink today. I'm up here all by myself, and I don't have anything to drink because I'm out of my little sparkly waters that I like to drink. Look, there's a water fountain right there. There's three sinks, but I don't have anything to drink because I don't have my little mandarin orange sparkly waters. So when's the thirstiest you've ever been? I remember when it was for me. It was the weekend before I found out I was diabetic. And I had taken a bunch of teenagers to a thing we called Winterfest. We didn't call it. They called it Winterfest. And you, how many know what you eat when you take a bunch of teenagers away? Two things, pizza, hamburgers, tacos. Yeah, Jordan Vigory's probably there. <clears throat> yes, he was there because I remember not sleeping that weekend. And so I, long about late Saturday night, I, I was just overcome with this unquenchable thirst. And in our hotel, the only thing that was not sold out of, in, the, in the soda machine was Dr. Peppers. And so I was buying Dr. Peppers by three and four at a time that Saturday night because I just could not quench my thirst. Of course, I found out later that I was actually hurting myself by trying to quench my thirst with the wrong thing. Anybody ever tried to quench this thirst with the wrong thing? Yeah. See, I, I've, I've learned that thirst comes, in a, in a, and I'm not a doctor, obviously, but, but, but just in my own thoughts, thirst comes when you're doing a few different things. I mean, thirst is a natural thing, right? But it, but excessive thirst comes when you're doing a couple, like when you're training. If you're on a treadmill or you're, you're lifting weights and you're, and you're sweating and, and you're trying to get healthy, you're trying to do all that, all of a sudden you find yourself thirsty and thirsty and thirsty. Or maybe you're out working in the yard. You're, you're, you have a job where you work outside and you're out in the sun and you're sweating and you're digging ditches or you're planting flowers with your wife. You find yourself thirsty or maybe you're sick like Dwayne was, and, and this thirst that you're experiencing is an indication that something's wrong. Or maybe you're thirsty because you're desperate. Um, I stumbled across a movie one night. It was called 127 Hours. I don't know if, you've ever, if you guys have seen 127 Hours, but it's a story of Aaron Ralston, 
who was a outdoors person who did all the things wrong and found himself trapped in a canyon by his arm and made a decision after 127 hours if, if you're squeamish, you can turn away for two seconds. By amputating his own arm, he, he saved his life. But after being there for 127 hours, running out of water many, you know, long, many, many, many hours ago, found himself with the decision to amputate his own arm, did that, and because of his extreme thirst, when he finally escaped, he buried his face in this pool of stagnant, tepid water that you could just see the junk floating on top, and it was nasty. And nobody in this room would ever drink from that water unless you were desperate enough. So my question is, are you, are you thirsty? Are you that thirsty? See, what Jesus was telling us when he said, I want you to hunger and thirst after righteousness. What Jesus was saying is that Jesus wants to be pursued with passion. A, a real passion. How many know hunger and thirst is real? It's a real thing. And you can live 40 days without food in your belly, but you can only in a, live a few days without water. natural to be hungry and thirsty sometimes it's painful to be hungry and thirsty anybody ever been so hungry it, it hurt no we haven't no we haven't but you would be and that's the kind of that's the kind of passionate desperation Jesus wants us to follow him with it's a driving force. And so my question, I guess, would be, what, what drives you? What is your driving force? If you're driving force, listen, I know everybody in the room has got to earn a living. And, and you guys know me well enough to know that I, I'm not telling you that earning a living is not important because it really, really is. But it can't be your driving force. It can't be why you get out of the bed in the morning. Because I'm going to tell you that that's a dead-end road. I've been there. And oh, by the way, this kind of passionate hunger and thirst is a sign of health. When, you're, when you get really sick, what's the first thing everybody tells you to do? You've got, you got to eat keep up your strength, right? You've got to eat. You've got to drink to keep up your strength. So maybe, maybe I asked you the wrong question this morning. Instead of saying... Are you thirsty? Maybe the question I should be, and you can write this down, should be, what are you thirsty for? What's your driving force? What's that thing in your life that motivates you? Success? Is that, is that, your, is that your driving force? Oh, I, listen, I can, I, can talk, I can talk about this one. I remember having to repent in this building because I'd let myself determine our driving force as a church was going to be how many people walked in here on Sunday morning because that's what 
the church culture has told us that success looks like. I, re- I know what that feels like. Is, is that what you're thirsty for, success? Is that it? To, to, to climb your ladder, whatever that looks like in your context? Is that, is that your driving force? Is it stability? Is it I, I want to make sure that, that I'm, I'm taken care of the rest of my life? Is that, what, is that your driving force? Not that there's anything wrong with financial stability and security, but is that what drives you? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's, it's the pursuit of that perfect relationship. And I'm, I'm going to tell you there's nothing wrong with that, but it can't be our driving force, y'all. So what are you thirsty for? And oh, by the way, before you answer that, I need you to remember that the people Jesus was speaking to knew what it meant to be hungry and knew what it meant to be thirsty. We don't, y'all. Listen, the only time you and I... We have a lot of explaining to do. The hungriest many of you have ever been have been when we've done a 40-day or 21-day fast here at the church and, and you gave up your afternoon snicker bar. Or you skipped a meal. Or you went 24 hours without food. Listen, and I'm not, I'm not beating us up. I'm just telling you, that's the culture we live in. Listen, if you got $4, you can go through a Taco Bell drive-thru and buy some really awful food that will fill you up. That, and that's just the culture we live in. If, if you're thirsty, you might not be the sparkling water that you want, but guess what? You can go to the tap in your house and you can turn on water and get clean drinking water from inside your house, and most of the rest of the world can't do that. And so because of that, we, we don't really, when Jesus says, I want you hungry and thirsty for righteousness, I want you to hunger, hunger and thirst for me, we, it, we have a hard time with that because we've never really been hungry and we've never really been thirsty. So you know what hunger looks like to me and you? It's that, that little gnawing thing at about 1130 at night. You know what satisfies that? A hunk of cheese or a, or, or a handful of grapes. And you're like, oh, okay, I can sleep now because I'm not hungry anymore. Oh, God, help us. Or, the, or, or that thirst is that, <clears throat> that little tickle in your throat or be, because you, you've been at the gym for an hour now and now you're going to pick up your four-gallon water jug that you brought in with you and See, that's, that's not the kind of thirst I think Jesus is talking about, y'all. I think he's talking... See, if, if you're that kind of thirsty, if you're that kind of hungry, guess what? Nothing else matters. It, you, you can't divert your attention away from it because, you know, somebody hit a home run on the game you're watching. Oh, yeah, I forgot I was hungry. What are you thirsty for? He said, I want you to hunger. This is, see, I think y'all like me right now, but I don't think you're going to like me after this part. He said, I want you to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Here's what, I'm going to give you a deep theological seminary level definition of what righteousness is. 
Righteousness means God's way. That means I live my life God's way. That means I handle my finances God's way. Uh Uh-oh, that means I take care of my thought life God's way. I, I conduct, I make my moral decisions God's way. Here's what we want to know. Can I do this and not go to hell? Wrong question. Is this decision God's way? Man, that's a different question, y'all. Listen, you guys... And for some reason, the word politics has come out of my mouth over the last three weeks, and I'm not sure why. Maybe because we got an election in the fall. I don't know. I think most of you guys know how I lean politically, but listen to me. My prayer is not my guy gets elected, but that God's way of righteousness be showered across our land. God, whoever you got to get in office to make that happen, that's what we want. Listen to this. My prayer is not for my children to be successful in their chosen vocation. My prayer is that my children lead lives of righteousness. In other words, that they do their life God's way. (laughs) My prayer isn't for our church to be the biggest church in this town. My prayer is that our church would move closer and closer every day to doing things God's way. That's righteousness, y'all. So I, I don't want to live my life by some code. I don't want to live by my life by, mm, can I do this and still go to heaven? Can I, can I cross this line and still be? No. You know what I want to do? I want to live my life God's way. Mm. What, what if we made that really practical, y'all? What if, what if we involved God in every decision of our life? You, you call your best friend and say, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I need to buy this truck or not. Have you, did you ask God? I'm trying to decide if I need to sell my house. I'm trying to decide if I need to marry this woman. I'm trying to decide if I need to go to this school. I'm trying to, let, let's stop and get so hungry for God's way, so thirsty for God's way that it, it captures our attention day after day after day. Dwayne, people don't live that way. Exactly. That's why our country's going to hell. What if, what if just this group said, you know what? We give up trying to do things the popular way. We give up trying to do things the, the cool way. We're going to do things God's way. What if? Man, I hope our church does that. Our church can't do that unless you do. Man, I point my fingers a lot today. See, those, those Dr. Peppers that I was throwing down one right after the other, they weren't quenching my thirst. In fact, they were, if I'd have kept doing it, you know what they would have done? If, if I'd have kept doing that and not gone to the doctor that Monday morning, you know what they would have done? I'd have been in a coma. That, that thing that I was pursuing was killing me. And, and my body was trying to let me know. And I wasn't paying attention. I, 
I lived on, and I'm trying to blame it on all those teenagers that weekend, but how many know that I ate a bunch of pizza before we ever left? <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is, maybe, maybe you'd say, my way's not working. Maybe you need to try God's way. Well, I go to church. I, hallelujah. I'm glad you're here. Tomorrow, do things God's way. Go to your job. Work at your job like it brings honor and glory to God. Raise your children God's way. Handle your finances God's way. Handle your marriage. Relate to your spouse God's way. Do things God's way and watch Him work. Listen to me. I, if, if God's way doesn't work, I will lock the doors of this church and never open them again. I'll put my Bible down and never speak of it or read it again. If what I'm telling you is a lie, I, I'll walk away. But I know because I've done it in my own life. Oh, and by the way, I know because I've not done it in my own life and seen things go crazy. Here's the challenge, y'all. Oh, let me just read somebody else's version. Jesus said a little bit later, but seek first his kingdom and, oh, 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 See, we, we skip this part when we quote this verse sometimes. Oh, I'm, I'm just chasing Jesus. I'm, and, and you know what? Y'all oh. pray for me. We, we think chasing Jesus means, you know, shedding a tear in a worship song. And I'm going to tell you that it's so much more than that. Listen, I, I got no room to talk about being a crybaby during worship because I cry and snot like with the best of them. But it's got to be more. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. In other words, if you do things God's way, your life works better. Well, why isn't my life working? I just told you. Well, I'm not sure it works that way. Then do it your way. But see, some of you in this room have done it your way and hit a dead end, and you, you figured out already it doesn't work that way. And I'm just going to challenge you this morning. Do things God's way. Fall in love with Jesus. Chase Him with everything in you. Can I get, can I get a little old school for a minute? If He says don't do it, don't do it. And watch your life work out. If he says to do it, guess what? Do it. Listen to God. It just works, y'all. When we do things, God righteousness means God's right. <laughs> well, I'm just not sure this Jesus thing is going to work for me. You're probably right. Because your version of the Jesus thing means... You know, you, you're going to stand off in the sidelines and you're going to watch somebody else worship and you're going to watch some... Hear my heart this morning. I'm telling you this because I love you. I'm telling you this because we don't have time to sit on the sidelines. We don't have time to wonder if God's way is the right way. I'm telling you now. Listen, let, here... Let me be your pastor for a minute. God's way works. Yeah. Period. God's. In, in fact, on your on your bulletin, I put God's way. And what was what's right beside that? Right, what's right beside God's way? Up, up on the screen. Put it back up on the screen. God's way. 
Righteousness is? What's right beside God's way? Period. Period. God's way works, period. I I didn't pay enough for this pulpit to beat on it like I am. Y'all, I, I, before I move on, I, I just want you to hear me. I'm, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to be that old school preacher that would, would tell you that, well, if, you, if, you're, uh, you know, if you're having fun, you're probably sinning. <laughs> Y'all, come on. You've heard that, hadn't you? You know, and a whole list of, of things that you can't do if you're going to follow Jesus. I heard a Christian comedian say it this way one time, and I just think it's... It's probably the most theological, deep thing anybody could ever say. And it's, he said it like this. If you, spend, if you open the Bible and spend all your time doing the do's, you won't have time not to do the don'ts. Here's what Jesus did. Jesus came so you could have a full, rich, abundant life. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And listen, if you've never experienced that kind of new life, then what I'm talking to you sounds like religion and it sounds like bondage. But I'm telling you, you'll never be free until you open up your life to Jesus. Jesus. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added. Write this down. I'm filled, but I want more. (laughs) See, that's... and, And we don't have time for a us to unpack that Greek word. But, but that's what that word means. It means you're, you're satisfied, but you're longing for more. It means Jesus has satisfied your soul, but you want more of him. It, it's sort of like that. And, and I hate to always use food analogies. But it's sort of, what's, you know, and everybody's got that, that, that thing that you like to eat. That it doesn't matter, you know, your hunger's gone, but there's still more in the pot. You, you with me? Your hunger's gone, but there's, there's still more on the table. And you're like, I cannot walk away from that. My, my grandmother used to make this cake. It was called man's favorite cake. And it was, do you know why? Because me and my cousins would fight over the last piece. And I, you, there's just no way if you could walk away from it. And I, what if, y'all? What if we just, that's the problem. It's we found ourselves satisfied. We, we, we do our little 45-second devotion on Facebook in the mornings, and then we're done. Come to church for an hour on Sunday and, and do our own thing from that day forward. And I'm going to tell you, that's not the kind of hunger Jesus was talking about. I'm full, but I want more. And, and maybe here's, oh, y'all, here's, here's, where, we, here's where we miss it. We, we find Christ and know him in the forgiveness of our sin. And then all of a sudden we feel like now we've been elevated to some spirit, you know, uh, up the ladder of some spiritual hierarchy. And now it's us good people and all the bad people. Let's just take a minute and remind ourselves where we'd be were it not for Christ. 
And I'm going to tell you that Christ has forgiven me for my sin. And I'm probably the only one in this room that feels this way. But, but I still got part of me that chases the sin. And the only way, the only way, I, I can't stay away from that sin by my own willpower. I can't stay by, away from that sin by just being a good person. The only way, the only way I can stay away from that sin that, that, that my inner man creeps, cries out for is when I fill every void in my life with the person of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. If you don't read Charles Spurgeon, you ought to. Alas, says he, it is not enough for me to know that my sin is forgiven. I have a fountain of sin within my heart. In other words, yes, this sin is forgiven, but I got a lot of more where that came from. I have a fountain of sin within my heart. And, oh, bitter waters. We're not talking about bitter water, are we? We're talking about living water. How many of you tasted the bitter water long enough? Yeah. Me too. I have a fountain of sin within my heart, and bitter waters continually flow from it. Oh, that my nature could be changed so that I, the lover of sin, could be made a lover of that which is good, that I, now full of evil, could become full of holiness, righteousness, God's way. God's way. All right, Joel. Don't you want to come? And just in the quietness of this, of this moment, I want to read you the psalmist David who, who talked about the living water long before Jesus showed up. In Psalm 63, he said this, You, God, oh, I love this. Listen, you, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. Oh, listen, I thirst for you. My whole body longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. That's where I want to be today. I want to be so thirsty for Jesus, for the righteousness of God in my own life. I want to be so thirsty for that that everything else seems dry and parched. And listen, I know this to be true. Maybe this world, you know, the this world has a way of leaving you dry, doesn't it? And thirsty. This world has a way of just leaving you parched. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're here, I don't know, and, and you're feeling a little thirsty today. Feeling a little parched. Or maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I'm good. My act is together. Well, they're we might want to be careful because there's a sin called pride. That you say, Dwayne, I, I, I think what you're saying is true, but, 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 but I'm really, I, I think I'm in a good place right now. You know, you know what? My, my youngest son's an athletic trainer, and I didn't run this by him, but I, I read it, and I bet, I bet he would confirm this, that if you're training and you wait until you feel thirsty to drink, you've probably waited too long. You've already started down the road of dehydration if you wait to drink. So if you're here and you're feeling good, you need to take a drink. 
If you're here, you need to take a drink. I was, I was talking to Mikey this morning about, about uh, this sermon. I just like, just going over with him. He was in my office. And he said, you know, I, I read a story. I heard a story not too long ago about these, these guys out in the desert that died of dehydration out in the desert. And when they found their dead bodies, guess what was in their canteen? Water. They thought that somehow if they would, if they'd ration their water out, they could, they could, ma- they could last longer. And, uh, so they died with water in their canteen. I, I wonder how many people walk into churches every Sunday, stand in the presence of living water, and just choose not to drink. God, forgive us. Bow your heads with me. Jesus, make us thirsty for you. Jesus, make us thirsty for your righteousness. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to search your heart. In fact, I'd rather you let the Holy Spirit search your heart. Maybe if you said a prayer like this, Holy Spirit, would you just cover the caverns of my heart. And and maybe, maybe, maybe you're thirsty because you're training. You're you're doing all you can to, to live this life. You're doing all you can to chase Jesus. You need to take a drink today. Maybe you're thirsty because you're working. Maybe you're thirsty because you're sick. Maybe you're thirsty this morning because there's sickness in your soul. You know what we call that sickness in our soul? It's called sin. And listen, you don't have to carry it. Jesus paid for it. You don't have to carry it this morning. And maybe you're here and there's this nagging sin that's, that's following you and, and consuming you. And I'm telling you, you don't have to carry it. That you can drink of the water of life. And Jesus will satisfy that longing in your soul. Maybe this morning you're just, you're thirsty because you're desperate. Listen, if you're in a desperate place this morning, I promise you. I've never, never seen someone come to Jesus broken and desperate and him turn them away. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to offer you the water of life. So I want to pray for you this morning before we leave. But I want to know who I'm praying for. If you're here and you just say, Pastor Dwayne, this this world's left me dry and thirsty, and I I need for the Holy Spirit, I I need for the water of life to fill my soul. If that's you, I just want you to put your hand in there so I know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Hey, listen, I see that, and God sees that. And here's what I'm going to promise you. The water of life is available to you. The living water is available to you. And so whatever that thing is 
that, that you're struggling with, here's what I want you to do when we pray. I want you to just lay it at the foot of the cross. Give it to Jesus and watch him take it and then leave it there. And then when you leave this building, take these words because they're not mine. They're the words of Jesus. I want you to take these words and then do something with them. Chase, chase God's way from this day forward. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your moral decisions. Maybe, I, I don't know what that is, but, but what, if, if you'll chase God's way from this day forward, I, I need you to understand that, that his way works. But I want to pray for you this morning. Father, in the name that's above every name, in the name of Jesus, the living water, we pursue you now. We want to drink. We're tired of drinking bitter water. We want to drink of the water of life. We know that that's only available when we pursue Jesus and his righteousness. When we hunger and thirst after his right, when we hunger and thirst to do things God's way. God, maybe we're here and, and that, that hunger's not there. God, I pray that in every person in this room, every person watching online or that's going to watch later on this week, here's my prayer is that you create in us a hunger and a thirst for you and for your way, for your presence and for your plan, for Jesus and for his righteousness. Would you create in all of us a hunger and a thirst to pursue you with passion? That's my prayer. And when we leave this place, God, we'll leave with this knowledge that he who's began a good work in us will complete it. So God, I pray for us as a church. God, I'm not praying for a grand cathedral. I'm not praying for thousands and thousands of people. I'm praying that as a church, we will learn and continue to learn to do things God's way. God, I pray that for every individual in this room, God, I, I don't just pray for their success in their chosen vocation. I don't just pray for success in their marriage. I pray that every individual in this room, God, you give a hunger and desire to do things God's way. It's called righteousness, and that's what we need. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you're here, and you'll just testify that God's way works, I want you to offer the Lord an ovation of praise. Amen. 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 God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Love you so much. Don't forget your connection cards. Drop in the black box. If you're interested in being baptized, please check that off on the back with your T-shirt size.